Homemakers, our show is made possible by a few carefully selected advertisers and because of our Patreon friends. If you haven't yet, we invite you to show your love for the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Homemaker Chic Podcast. There you will receive downloads to both of our cookbooks, exclusive access to snippets of the Homemaker Chic book as it's being written, and a private invitation at the end of every season to join us for our live fangirl party call. You can be a part of Homemaker Chic and show your support for the show by visiting patreon.com forward slash Homemaker Chic podcast. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Homemaker Chic podcast. And now let's rock this show. Welcome to Homemaker Chic Podcast. We are, uh, we're going to rock this show because I got some feedback that you like it when I say that. We're going to rock this show today. This is the final episode of season 12. Where I we, didn't know uh, what season it was. I was like, what number? I know, I had to pause for a millisecond. <laughs> like, when are they What's coming up? Where are we? Where am I? Who am I? What am I doing? Yeah, uh, <laughs> final episode of season 12. We have spent 12 um, pretty sweet weeks answering your questions we were questioning our summer and uh it's been great we tweaked the format a little bit it's like i just kind of looking back like first of all i'm can you tell i'm a little like wait have we really been doing this for 12 weeks yeah that's what i was just trying no no to no not 12. On that. no no i said it wrong season 12 16 it weeks. hasn't been it hasn't been 12 weeks Okay. No. Just ignore me. It's just I don't know. Let's Eight just weeks? stick with whatever. Who cares? I, don't know. <laughs> I wish summer was 16 weeks. Mom. I don't know. <laughs> Please, can I have more oh. of that? I need yep. more coffee. Um I worked out this morning and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about that too, because I'm a beast. But I got home and there was no milk. And I need a latte so bad. Mm. They're out there milking right now. So I'm gonna stomp on the floor in a few minutes and mm-hmm. beg for a latte. Mm-hmm. Um, did I even say what show this is? I did. No, right? you're just you're just it's, talking to yourself. <laughs> this is Homemaker Chic Podcast. <laughs> I'm so professional. <laughs> I'm Angela Reed of Parisian Farm Girl, and my beautiful co-host this morning is Shay Elliott of the Elliott Homestead. And apparently, I'm a little punchy. So yeah, okay. Feeling her, you're, she's feeling her oats, guys. Yeah, here we feeling go. My Cheerios, as my grandma would say. Season so. finale. Um, here's what happened this morning in the dark. Uh, I got up. I don't know about the rest of you, Shay, or the audience, but it's fruit fly season here. Mm-hmm. And it's like a pestilence. I don't know where they come from. I don't know why they have to exist, but uh, I have um, this nuclear. I always say it wrong. I say it like George Bush. I always say it wrong. I always have to stop and think about how I'm going to say that word. So I say it right nuclear mm-hmm. sourdough starter and it needed a little attention the other day so I like loaded it up I didn't even take out like I didn't remove any I just added stuff in it was getting anyways put it in my fermenting closet didn't put it in the cooler because I really wanted it to to go for it and um it exploded <laughs> it blew the bottom off the ball jar like it must have just gone like like that and it mm-hmm. shot out like 12 inches on each side all over my beautiful lace doily that's on this little cart I have in my fermenting closet, all over my blue KitchenAid mixer. 
I turn on the little light in this closet in the dark and there's like 50 million fruit flies and sourdough starter everywhere. You have a best friend who teaches people how to keep dry sourdough starters. I know, but I made that cool. (laughs) It eliminates like 95% of sourdough feeding. Okay. Just ladies, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, go to YouTube. I teach people how to do that. Do I have to start all over? Can I use mine? Just I'm super proud of it. I've had it for so long. Yeah. Just, just convert it to a dry starter. Okay. You feed it. I feed mine once a week. That's because based on how much, how much starter I make is usually enough for a week's worth of bread. Okay. Okay. So I feed mine once a week. Once you feed it, you leave it out and you let it, you do let it get puffy, but it doesn't explode like a wet starter. And when you're picking shards of glass so out of it. Oh, oh, I salvaged two tablespoons. Oh, Yo, I'm sure I you wasn't. Did. I was like, yeah. Is there any pieces of glass? No. Okay. Okay. And this sourdough, this poor starter, like it, it's so, I've had it for so long. I have saved it from death and destruction. Yeah. Like once someone thought it was like the old, like jar of like leaven or whatever on the counter and they rinsed it out and so I like they put water in it and just left it in the sink of course for me to wash yeah and (laughs) so I like had to scrape like water down off the edges and put it in a jar and start all over yeah once it got moldy I had to just grab like a little tiny pin dot and start all over yes it's it's been with me through thick and thin so I I don't want to I keep um my beloved freeze-dried pieces of my starter in like (gasps) in like other homes. So if my home burns down, I literally have pieces of my starter. I have some at my mom's house. I have some at my sister's house. I have some at my office. Just in case. I didn't know I could freeze dry my starter. Oh yeah. That's how I send out starter to new cooking community members. (laughs) You were like putting it in little Ziploc bags. I do. That's exactly what I do. It's it's a little like, it looks like a little like communion cracker, you know? Um, that's what it looks like. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. It's a great idea. And you know what else I'm doing? I am taking a piece of my sourdough starter, which originated with Carla, the founder of (gasps) Jovial Foods in Italy. Back to the motherland. Like 30 years ago. And I'm taking a piece of my starter back to the motherland. I'm going to take it. It's going to be dried when I take it and I'll rehydrate it there. And it is going to toil around Sicily with me and take in well, it's never been to Sicily that I know of. This was this is a very like a uh, Tuscan uh, sourdough starter. That's where it had its origins. So we're mm-hmm. going to take it south and we're going to expose it to new yeasts and new cultures. Oh, I'm going to have to do that. I'm just going to walk around Paris with mine. Like, yeah, just like suck it in. <laughs> have some cigarette smoke and some diesel. <laughs> yeah I'm really, I'm really excited Stu's like must you I'm like I must yes that is so cool. I'm taking an alert. apron my apron oh, yeah. mm-hmm. my my kamikoto knives and my sourdough starter I was like if I have these things I can do anything can you you pack your knives you can if well if you check your bag I mean you can't take them in your carry-on <laughs> what's this it's a nine inch chef's knife <laughs> she's got the fold down tray don't worry about it in her seat. <laughs> I pass on airplane food. I brought my own. I brought my own. I'll chop it. <laughs> oh, I am. I'm a little mm-hmm. wound up for the morning. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah, you oh. are. That's okay. That's all right. Um, I am also wound up. Funny story. Funny story. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Holy cow. I'm like on fire. 
I, I saw Elvis again last night in the theater. So I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah. Chill we'll out. Talk about that. Chill out. Sorry. I'm telling a story. If you could chill out, your for turn. A so we are obviously leaving for our trip. This is a very big thing because not only are we going to be gone for two weeks, but we're leaving our farm. I'm leaving my vegetable garden. My mother-in-law and her husband are flying in from North Carolina. We don't get to see them very often. So we have this little like visit with them and my kids are starting homeschool co-op. So I'm actually missing the first week of being a homeschooler. (laughs) So there's a lot going on and I've had a very sort of set regimen of like YouTube videos and getting the, you know, season finale of the podcast up and making sure my newsletters are set, like all this work coupled with making sure the kids' backpacks are packed and making sure that the house is clean and, you know, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Well, Stu comes into the house yesterday and he's been gone for a few hours and I just, he has this look on his face and I was just okay. like, What's I always dead? think, I always think what died. What's dead. Yeah. And that's my first thought. I said, what? And he's like, he winces his face. And I'm like, what? Yeah. He goes, well, oh. I got the dates wrong. <gasps> and mom actually flies in tomorrow, <laughs> which is sooner than anticipated. So like immediately my whole schedule just goes, you lost a day. <laughs> I lost a full day. I lo- You know what day I lost? The house cleaning day. It was the house cleaning day, naturally saving that for the last minute so that we don't just all run ourselves ragged. Exactly. You clean yourself out. Um, So I've got after we're done here recording, I have got like six hours to not eat live less than six hours to put everything in order. Uh, That's not going to happen. I just tell my kids, I'm like, look, if you all help me. If you all give me two hours, that's like me working an extra day. That's mm-hmm. like eight hours. Mm-hmm. Like, like I do the math for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, we still I think, don't want yeah. to. But, I think oh. I'll bribe with smoothies. Yeah. I don't oh, pull yeah. that card very often. But oh, we have this, this is the time. This the is time. the time for smoothies. It's like, I don't need the floor to be perfect, but I do need it to be vacuumed. You know, and, and I actually wrote a blog post on this last week on managing expectations and how isn't it funny how we say um, the first thing that people will tell you when you have kids is just like, lower your expectations, right? Just lower your expectations and it'll be fine. And part of you is just like, I don't know what expectations that you have for yourself, but like my expectations at this point are like, when we have company over, there's not a poopy diaper on the counter. I can't like, have skid marks in the toilet. Exactly. Like, which expectations it's, it's, would you like me to lower? Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. want to see the tumbleweeds under my coffee table with the hairballs yeah. and the Legos mixed in? Or well, should I Sometimes leave it's not even that. Sometimes it's like, oh, there's breakfast dishes still, like crusty egg dishes that we haven't accounted for yet. And that gets, and that gets tricky. It gets tricky because I think expectations are a good thing to have as homemakers, because that is what keeps us doing good things in our home. Right. (laughs) Right? Like I expect that when people come over, there aren't turds floating in the toilet. That is an expectation that I hold for myself as a homemaker. Okay. Mm -hmm. You might have different expectations for yourself. But here's where it gets weird is that we tell ourselves that we don't expect perfection, right? It's not going to be perfect. We're just going to do the best we can. Mm-hmm. But yet we beat ourselves up uh, to the point that we, it's like we do expect it. 
You know, we beat ourselves up when we forget something mm-hmm. or we beat ourselves up like, oh, you loser. You didn't pull the meat out or you forgot to do this or blah, blah, blah. And it's funny how um, maybe I'm maybe I'm generalizing. Maybe I'm the only one who does this, but I tend to sort of cycle in on like some self-loathing, mm-hmm. you know, just like, wow, way to go. Way to go on that one. Um, and I treat myself like I expect perfection, but I tell myself that I don't. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm so hard on myself. It's unbelievable. Okay. The, the thoughts that go, yeah, you're not. The thoughts that go through my mind are so awful. Like if mm-hmm. I see, if, if I walk past a mess or I see something or I forget something or the sourdough explodes or whatever, it's like, yeah, <laughs> way to go loser. Yeah. Sheesh. You can't even like turn the dryer on. Now the load is all musty. You know, like, yeah. what is your problem? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm pretty. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's so true. And I'm always so proud of myself when I don't do that, <laughs> but when man, you don't mess up or, <laughs> or when you don't. Oh yeah. So here's an example. So actually I called you the other day and it's weird. I thought for sure I would just completely rally this week and just be able to just whip it all out. Cause you get that kind of adrenaline rush before mm-hmm. something big is happening, whether it's you're having company or a party or whatever vacation. <clears throat> and I thought that that would kick in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like I'm just waiting for this. I'm waiting for it and it's not coming. And every task that I have to do just feels so big and so insurmountable. Something like just cleaning the garbage out of the car. Like Mm -hmm. something like that, that I thought, oh, we'll just knock that out the week before we go so that my mother-in-law doesn't have to drive around a car full of old mail. Like we'll do that. Mm -hmm. But it just felt insurmountable. So the other day I, I, after we got off the phone, I'm like, Shay, no one's coming. (laughs) Like my mom is nursing my aunt back to health. She just had this big surgery. Normally I would call my mom and just be like, can you come over and help me? but she's been really tied up. Like no one, no, there's no one to call my, my friend here who I would call. She's got COVID like she's completely locked down. And so it was just like, there's no one to save you. So it was like, either you, you get this stuff done or, or you're toast. Like some of this stuff has to be accounted for. It's so much easier though. When you like, when you really have that, like chemical release, whether it's adrenaline, whatever it is that, um, you know, just the other day we talked about like not waiting for the feeling, you know, you just do it and then the feeling comes, but there are some instances where the feeling is really freaking helpful. It is. It's so helpful, (laughs) especially like something like this, like you got a deadline and you know, I I know that we're like, okay, could I get that chemical release please? Because that would be so advantageous right now. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up going out to my garden. It was a hundred degrees out, which is why the gardens look just horrid. And I thought I would leave them looking really beautiful so that they could enjoy them while we were gone. I'm not, they're horrible. Um, but it's been so hot. I just went out to the garden. I'm like, look, grab what you can. This is what you're going to do right now. You're going to grab what you can out of here. I have some friends coming to harvest while I'm gone so that it won't go to waste. But, um, I ended up spending like two hours out there just pulling tomatoes and peppers and okra and eggplant and all these basil, beautiful things. And I came back inside and basically once you pull produce, you got to deal with it. Tick, 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 yeah. tick, 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 Yeah. It was like, this is your, this is your moment. I had two hours before I needed to cook dinner. And so I just labored in the kitchen for a couple hours, 
stuck some stuff in the freeze dryer, made a giant batch of tomato jam, which is my jam. (laughs) I love it so much. Um, which used up like 30 pounds of the tomatoes. And anyway, where I was going with that was I did the tomato jam, which felt like amazing to me. And I didn't Mm -hmm. let it just rot on the counter. I couldn't bottle it that night. So I had to reheat it the next day and can it that day. And I was just Mm -hmm. so proud of myself that I didn't stick it in the cold room and walk away and never come back to it until it was super moldy. Yeah. Because I've done that. Oh yeah. I just threw away a whole basket of pickles. A whole basket of pickles that I didn't get to. I just kept telling, I'd go out there and squeeze them. Oh, they're still good. They're still good. They're not slimy. You can still do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's with the sourdough starter. Yep. Yeah. It does happen. It does happen. And I wish that we were kinder to ourselves. I wish I was kinder to myself. Like you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to do things perfectly. And, you know, right now it's, it, Yeah, there are some things that you need to work on, but like a lot of it's prioritizing, Mm -hmm. you know, it's prioritizing and weeding the garden has not been a priority because, you know, I've been spending my time doing other things. Well, and it's reality too. It's just like you do one thing, you can't do another. You can't do them both at the same time. You can't do them both at the same time. You can't do them both at the same time. So yeah, if you're feeling a little down on yourself, you should go, you should go read that might be a little bit of an encouragement. Um, Stuart always talks to me about managing expectations and how you set yourself up to be disappointed when you set your expectations too high. So there, there is a lot of middle ground, right? Between Mm -hmm. like skid marks in the toilet and no dust on the baseboards. Like there's a really broad road there when you're having company. Right. Between those two. And I wish that we could just be more comfortable landing in the middle somewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, okay. Uh, we forgot to do a wine segment the other day. Do we want to do that? Yeah, now? Yeah, let's do that now. I let, can I, you talk. I'm really aggressive. I'm kind of feeling really aggressive really about liked. this. Okay. Go grab your bottle. Okay. Grab so if you're listening to this podcast at an appropriate time to pour a glass of wine, won't you do that with us? Um, here on the podcast, we always encourage our listeners to enjoy dry farm wines when they're enjoying a good glass of wine. And the reason for this is because these are natural wines. Here's what this means. There are no chemicals sprayed on the grapes while they are grown or shot into the soil. These are non-irrigated grapes, so their flavor is really concentrated. The grapes are not pasteurized after they are picked, which means that the yeasts and bacteria that are alive on the grape while they're in, like on the vine, those come through to the bottle. There's no sugar added. There's no dyes added. There's no colorants, no fillers, no binding agents. They're not filtered. And the result is really this sourdough of wine. It's this living, incredible organism that is so wonderfully reflected, reflective of the terroir in which it's grown. So Dry Farms is owned by this wonderful man, Todd, and he was just sort of on this mission to help people to source these wines. So these wines come from all around the world. They're not grown for Dry Farms. Dry Farms finds them, brings them to the United States, and then ships them to people. So this isn't a Dry Farms label. These are small, most of them are family-owned, generationally, really small farms that are producing this truly exceptional 
wine. And I got to say, so uh, Dolores from the Bella Figura podcast is who I'm going to Italy with. And she sent a video up to me of the wine shelves in Sicily, in Palermo, where we'll first land. And they're selling these bottles for just like two euro, three euro. There's so many small farms there producing wine in this way, but it really is difficult to get it to the United States. And there it's just normal hat. And here we've just sort of accepted that we're going to drink, you know, a 16% Napa Valley cough syrup, cough syrup uh, that's full <clears throat> of purple dyes. And that's not the way that wine is. So we put all this effort into cleaning up our homes and cleaning up our food. And we just encourage Homemaker Chic listeners to do the same when it comes to wine. So use the coupon code, or sorry, use the link dryfarmwines.com forward slash Homemaker Chic Club, and you can get two free wine tumblers with that first order. There's going to be a link to that below the show, so you can make sure to grab it there. Um, There was something else I wanted to say on this. What was well, it? Do that. Do that because um, that link is, I mean, we're not going to take that link into the next season. We'll have a different promotion. So if you want those tumblers, grab them. Okay. Uh, I don't know what there you're going to go. say. Okay. I don't okay. remember. Okay. What bottle did you have that okay. you enjoyed? I was trying to find something about it specifically. I didn't, there's still some in there. Uh, this is Chateau uh, de la Roche en Loire. So it's a Loire Valley um, Cab Franc. I don't know if you've had this there can you say that yes yes i've had that wow <laughs> it's huge yes it's huge it was like my kids saw it come out they're like it's bubbling i'm like yeah it's got a little bubble because it's alive it's, it's alive um it, you know it doesn't stay bubbling but um really good it's super dark for a dry farm wine like garnet dark uh, mm-hmm. Just delicious, though, but not thick, but not thick, not syrupy, Mm-mm. you know, no. Um, you know, the Chateau has only been around since 1580, so they should. Oh, just 1580. Just 1580. Yeah, okay, I really, really liked it. 12.5 percent um, alcohol by volume and 100 um, percent Cab Franc. Really, okay. really lovely. There you go. So if you do join Dry Farms, you get to this cool thing where you can request certain bottles. So we'll have Angela type that one into the show notes as well if you want to check it out. Um, But just remember that you get to choose if you want to do like three bottles, six bottles, 12 bottles. You can do all reds or all whites. You can do special rosé boxes. Sometimes they'll do special boxes of like, here's three Bordeaux that we want to share with you, or Mm -hmm. here's three orange wines that we want to share with you, or here's a limited release from this winery that we want to share with you. So visit the link and you can just kind of have fun shopping around and find one that fits your wine budget and fits your tastes. And, um, I do the sparkling subscription. I actually do two sparkling subscriptions. So we all have our priorities in life. Drive a crappy car, drink dry farm sparkling wine. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. So true. Okay. Let's dive okay. into some questions. Okay. 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 Um, oh crud. I don't have one ready. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Uh, love the podcast. So much relatable humor. That makes me happy. Go to cookbooks besides your own. Okay. So in the past, listeners, we've done episodes on our favorite books, favorite cookbooks, but that was a long time ago. So this is a great question. You could go back and listen to that. Um, 
right now what's do you have a go-to cookbook right now or just whatever go-to cookbooks i'm gonna um, get the same answer every time like, i like this one but i can't remember the name of it <laughs> oh are you I'm oh thinking. you want me to answer no, okay yeah i, I am i am thinking um okay usually i am creating recipes so i actually don't reference cookbooks a ton when I do, I love um, Mimi Thorson's cookbooks. So she mm -hmm. wrote um, a year, gosh, what are they called? Uh, she did an Italian one, Old World Italian. Then she did My Kitchen in France, and she did A Year of French Country Cooking. Those are her three that she's done so far. Mm -hmm. um, and I first ran across them maybe six years ago or so and just found them to be so Otter Thorson. I don't, the recipes are wonderful, but Otter's photography to me is just otherworldly. I just, I am so incredibly inspired by the way that he sees things. And so I study his food photography a lot. So a lot of times when I'm referencing a book, I, I do it more so like, how did he set this photograph up and what makes this mm -hmm. special? And like, where's the life in this? And so I'm kind of looking at it with those questions. So um, there is one I can't remember the name of. I'm gonna go grab it. You, okay, you say yours. I'm gonna go grab mine. Real okay, fast. so I did find it, so I could actually not give you guys the same lame answer every time. I have this little paperback book that I absolutely love. It's Susan Herman Loomis, and she wrote on Routetin, and I think. She still has a cooking school. She's in Normandy and she runs um, a cooking school in her own kitchen. Henri Tatin is a really great um, book. I like cookbooks that have like stories where it's a story and then the recipes are integrated. I love that. So I, I really enjoyed that one because it's her um, sort of process of moving to France. And it was just really really fabulous and inspiring. And then I subsequently, then I found her French farmhouse book. So this is um, paperback. It's about an inch and a half, two inches thick. And it has all the anecdotal little stories behind each recipe. And she's just gone around basically the French countryside and she talks to farmers wives basically and gets their recipes. And I love it. It's a really good um, springboard for me to like create my own like get inspiration and then go okay what do I need to change based on what do I have here or what do mm -hmm. I want to change and um I know people think of French food as being really fussy and like oh cuisine like very high end of course there is that aspect to it but French food's also very just like meat and vegetables mm -hmm. and um so in this book I just learned a lot about what to do with vegetables and what to do with tons of different cuts of meat. Um, everything from, you know, duck to pork. Mm -hmm. And I really love this book. I love the little uh, illustrations. There's um, really, really simple things like just a tomato gratin, you know, like it, but it tastes really great when you're all done. And it's just been a really great mm -hmm. resource for me. That's like my all time favorite. Just like, what am I going to do? Flip open this book and I can find something something that I want to make. Mm -hmm. oh. The problem that I've run into is that most of the cookbooks that I pull from are very simple and very uh, 
European country. I'm painting in very broad strokes here. No, I know. What um, you mean, though. But when, when that is the case, it's like, okay, we're going to make a pastry dough for our gratin with flour and butter and water and a pinch of salt. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, your flour better be pretty good. Your butter better be pretty good because these, these recipes are so simple. Those are the kind that I'm drawn to mm-hmm. very much. So, um, Italian cooking is so much the same way. The problem is it relies on very high quality ingredients. And I just feel like in America, we don't seek those out. So Mm -hmm. it's very common in a lot of countryside towns to just in Europe, you go to the market every like two days. Mm -hmm. So your tomatoes are two days old, you know, and here we're just going to the grocery store and grabbing the tomatoes that they have and trying to make the tomato gratin and it doesn't taste that good. And we're like, now we need 18 other things on it, you know, to make mm-hmm. it, to make it have the same oomph. Um, yeah. so anyway, I think that's just, so this is the book I was going to share. It's called Lydia. So this is, she's really into, has a really interesting story. So her name's Lydia Pasitinich. I don't know how you say that. But she um, lived on this teeny little island on the east side of Italy. And it was taken. It was it was taken as part of Austria, I believe, during after World War Two. So she was Italian. And then all of a sudden, like where she lived was it was changed, you know, and so it was like this massive sort of identity issue. And then and it was so bad that they ended up immigrating to the United States after this. So she has a really interesting story because she was raised in Italy and anyway, fascinating, but same thing, super simple ingredients, really frugal cuts of meat Mm -hmm. and nothing wasted, but does rely on fresh ingredients, you know? So you didn't it's tell really me about good. this one, so I'm glad you're sharing Okay, that. it's called Lydia's yeah. L-I-D-I-A, Mastering the Art of Italian Cuisine. Um, yeah, I mean, she's a, she's a super well-known Italian-American chef. Okay, okay. Um, no pictures, but also the last time I was in, um, the last time I was in Italy, I went to this pasta factory where jovial makes its pasta and the family there has been running this pasta factory for three generations mm-hmm. and the dad now is very very old but he gave me this teeny little book and it was lucian farm food basically or the food of lucian farmers so it was the farmers around luca and mm-hmm. here's what they ate it's just meat and vegetables and pasta that's it and, you know, the pasta is just like, it's nothing. It's just really good flour that, you know, they grow, they grow this grain up the road and so-and-so makes it. And um, I love it. We make food so complicated, you know, with our yeah. sprinkles and our frosting smears. And it's just like, <laughs> I love cookbooks that are like, hey, remember food can be like this. Remember food can just be like this. Yeah. Um. I thought of something. So uh, you've probably inspired a lot of people just talking about the sourcing of the food. And we get asked a lot about food sourcing. Yeah. And how fun to take that on as a hobby. 
Okay. So if you have a list of particular foods that you really love in your kitchen and you're like, okay, well, I'm not getting the results they just talked about as far yeah. as taste and flavor. Yep. Like taking that that on is like, okay, I'm going to find the best of this in my area. Who grows the best tomatoes in my area? Or who does the best, raises yeah. the best chickens? You know, like taking that on as a, a new kitchen hobby. Um, that would be fun. And I, you and I have each done that in our own mm-hmm. communities. Do you have um, your monster Italian, the big Italian one? Because I have my French one sitting here too. Those might be fun to talk about. Do you have it yeah, within reach? I, no, I don't. It's in my kitchen. Okay. Um, so I went to visit my brother-in-law in Bellingham and went to this really great bookstore. And I saw this book it's and it's called Let's Eat France. <laughs> and I immediately pick it up and I'm like, <laughs> so awesome because it's pictures it's recipes it's stories it's history it's culture it's language it's like just it's like an, an encyclopedia it's, it's like an encyclopedia of like french a scrapbook food. and yes. it's scrapbooky in it's, in it's so appearance. good yeah i i almost wet myself buying this book i'm just like <laughs> shaking you know <laughs> and i get up and this is what's crazy is i get up to the cash register this to buy awesome. this book Mm-hmm. Yeah, patrons who are watching the video, you can Huge. see the cover. It's called "Let's Eat France." Look how big it is. I mean, it's yeah, enormous. <laughs> it is. Okay, so I go to give the lady my card. I'm literally like shaking. I'm so excited about this because the history, the food, like the culture behind food, is so fascinating to me. I mean, you got to remember, like this is what I do for a living. Besides mm-hmm. being an awesome pos- podcaster, obviously. <laughs> and I said to the lady, I said, "Do they?" And she goes, she cuts me off, and she goes have this about Italy? Yes, they do. And I'm just like, so great. (laughs) And it gets even better. It gets even better because I was like, no way. Like I have to find this book. She's like, I have not been able to get it. It's brand new, blah, blah, blah. So we go to another bookstore. Thank you. Oh, a latte. Yay. Latte. Um, thank you, Fern for your milk. Yeah. Right. Thank you. So we go to another bookstore then, uh, like two hours later, we're browsing around. I just happened to look up like I'm talking like 12 feet up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I see one copy, 12 feet up, just hanging out on the walls. Like, no way. <laughs> I, <did>. I crawl <laughs> up to get it. Junior calls them sticky pads. I got my sticky pads. <laughs> it was, uh, it was so incredibly providential that these books uh-huh landed in my lap. So yes, um, let's eat Italy. Let's eat France. If you're just needing like a fire hose, lightning jolt, yeah, a food inspiration, and you just love to sit around and pick through little books, take up little stuffs here and there. Um, oh my gosh, these books are so good. I mean, like there's just one page and it's open how it. to make like the croque monsieur sandwich, like the best way like that kind you had in Paris that one time and it stuck with you and you'll never forget it. And then it gives yep. you like four alternatives or you could do this or you could do this or you do this. Yep. And here's the history of this stupid sandwich. And yep, it's just, um, dang it. It's I know it's, great. it's so well oh, done. I'm sorry. Here's the oyster pages. The yeah. oyster pages. Would you like to know about different types of oysters like and maybe what season they are, where they are best and like how you can enjoy them and like, the scrapbooky aspect of it is my, you know, that's my jam. As far well, as and it's also how I read books. books. Like I sit down and I putz around in them for like 10 minutes and I mark stuff up and then I put it back and then 
I come back and read it later. It's just so incredibly inspiring. Yeah. Super cool. Yep. Super cool. So fun. Okay. Here's an easy okay. question. Okay. Um, on a podcast a while ago, one of you mentioned loving a pair of heels that were comfortable enough to wear all day. Can you share the brand, please? That was me. And they are called Margot. Yeah, and but they never have them. So they do if you like the, the nude color. That's the color I have. I want the cheetah. If I could um, afford all of my shoes to be Margot shoes, I would. Unfortunately, I can't. I spent all my my like one year heel purchase on these dang heels, but they're beautiful and um, casual, but dressy. They're just so wonderful. I love them and you can wear them all day. Yeah, that that particular heel and shape of toe. I think it's really, really timeless. And like you said, it's like looks really appropriate even in the house or on the street, you yes. know? Yes. Well, now yeah. I find like my, my pointy toed heels and my, they have the thin, you know, what you like, they're like stiletto kind of, what do you call those? Like a classic pointed heel? toe, pointed toe like, heel yeah, with the pointed just really tip. classic. Yeah. Um, and they're beautiful, yeah. but they, they, I don't think they're as beautiful as the silhouette of the Margot heel because it's for me, at least it's just a little bit more comfortable and, and a little bit more approachable and mm-hmm. where I'm wearing heels is to like a nice dinner, maybe to like a baby shower or to church. I wear them. I wear these shoes every week to church. They're the only shoes I wear, but, um, yeah, they're just like, I look nice, but I'm not like Meryl street from the devil wears Prada. You know what I mean? It's like, they're very homey. Yeah. Okay. There's this style that I try to is evoke the right word in my home. Like it's when it comes to my own personal style. When you, well, I have a, a living example of this. My friend Francoise, she always looks like this. She's always got like on a nice sweater. She wears a skirt every day. She has some beautiful leather loafer on or pump. And it's just that like classic French woman, I'm in my home, but I don't look like crap style. Yeah. And I try to do that. I like that. Well, I have my Dale Jr. ball cap on right now and a t-shirt from my workout. But in a while, yeah, that's what I'll look like. Yep. But um, I think that those shoes really, they just look like you could be in your kitchen yep. making food in them, or you could then just go on out to dinner. So, yeah. 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 Very much so. Very much They're so beautiful, but they never, I'm not <laughs> kidding for like how long, two years, I've probably been checking on, I want the leopard print or cheetah yeah. or whatever my kids would yep. correct me. I just yep. want them. Yep. I did find some really cute ones on aerosol the other day though, that are leopard that I might get for Paris. Okay. Yeah. I'm taking these ones Marvel. to Sicily. I'm taking and my espadrilles and then my white sneakers. So that's kind of my uh, um, go to. We were getting a lot of questions about our trip. So since we're talking about shoes, will you just tell them what your sneaker brand is? Yeah, Taos, T A O S. I showed them to you guys last week. If you guys are watching the video, uh, here they are. Oh, wait, they go this way. Here we go. I've been wearing them um, around the house to just sort of wear them in. And, you know, wearing white sneakers on a farm, I don't know how smart that is. I just have told yourself myself, like, these are your inside shoes, but I got to say, so I still wear skinny jeans, like the little that are a couple inches above the ankle. So we can still know. do that, right? Oh, Please? they're so flattering. 
They're yeah. so they're so dang flattering. The ankle is showing. The ankle is showing, and yeah. I wear really low socks, and I wear these white sneakers. And I'm telling you, when I put them on, it's like I could kick a door in. There is something about like the white, the lacing up, the comfort, it's but your it, like inner Jerry Seinfeld, Che. It like it looks. Is. It looks really sleek. You yeah. know, like. It looks good. I think it looks good. I may be completely self-deceived here, but I do think it looks good. And I find when I wear my nice fitting jeans, which are from Target, by the way, $20, and these shoes, I'm way more productive. I am genuinely way more productive in my house. Uh, Yeah. It's like you got a little pep in your step. Like Shoes make a big Holy cow. I was trying to find mine to show you. I actually got some at Costco yesterday. Okay, there you go. They looked really classy. They're like made in Sweden, Trent Trenton or something. And they're white, like uh, what color are they? White? Gray with a white. Okay. Yeah. Stripe or whatever. Yeah, yeah they look, I'm going to wear them around. I did, I was really tacky. I like took my shoe off and stuck my barefoot in them in the store. I was like, I'm assuming yeah. this is going to feel good. So I'm going to go ahead and expose yeah. my foot. I'm assuming I'm going to buy this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, they yeah. felt Pretty good. Uh, yeah. Super important and love these shoes. I love these shoes. I don't think, you know, I grew up in the Keds era. I don't know if y'all remember Keds, but like mm-hmm. Keds, Keds were the shoe back in the day. They were the sh- my grandma wore Keds as like yeah. a young woman. Like that yeah. Keds is like a family shoe. My mom, my mom yeah. would bleach them and line them up on the windowsill to dry and you'd see all the yeah. little blue. I loved it. I love school started. I got a new pair of heads. Yeah. Loved them. They're so still classy. Great shoes. They're still yeah. great shoes. And I, yeah. Um, and they're a better, way better price point. I wanted these ones because I knew I was going to be walking a ton. So I needed like serious comfort. But if I was just putzing around the house, I think I would think I will always have a pair of white heads now or white, a white shoe um, because you're just on your feet so much as a homemaker. So I do think shoeing is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's kind of a fun one. Uh, could you talk, this is from Lisa, Lisa, could you talk on the podcast about the differences in your books and the inspiration and what the writing process was like? Oh, sure. Well, you've written more than I have, but, uh, The writing process. Now that's interesting. <laughs> I was like nursing a baby, a baby on a hip, and like um, the inspiration for my cookbook was generational. In that uh, we have a family cookbook floating around, like one of those ones where you like a you know how you can do like a fundraiser cookbook or something like that. So a couple of my second cousins and great aunts got together and gathered my great grandma's recipes and then all the family recipes and put them in a cookbook. And this was kind of like the only place for the great grandchildren to like have access to all my great grandma's recipes in one place. And it's, you know, it's just your very quintessential church potluck potluck cookbook as far as the contributions, but then her like really good stuff is spliced in there and mine fell apart because it was just I had it forever. It was just one of those, like I said, fundraiser cookbooks. And I thought, okay, I, and this was right when I was, um, well, no, let's see. 
I had taken over the years, I as I was up-leveling the quality of my ingredients, like we just talked about, I had taken recipes and I had kind of done that to her recipes. So if there was something and, you know, she's just a Germanic Illinois farm girl, my great grandma, um, like she's not using balsamic vinegar. And so if I thought adding some sort of acid or whatever to the recipe would enhance it, then I like would put my own spin on her stuff and her recipes call for Crisco. Well, I know that's because she was running her house with a million children and running farm in the era where shelf stable fats were introduced. And that was like fabulous for her. You know, she didn't have to do the whole lard thing anymore. And I, here's me, I'm coming around in the history of our family and I'm going back like to the old ways and I'm learning how to butcher pigs and do the whole lard thing again. So I, it was like a merging of all those ideas and my, like what I was experiencing as a farm wife myself and a kitchen home cook myself. So I want, and then I wanted it. Like I just mentioned about, I love books that look very scrapbooky, lots of layers and lots of interesting things to look at. Um, I wanted it to have that feel as well. Mm -hmm. So that was um, definitely the inspiration for my book as far as um, content and visual, visual. Mm -hmm. It's called From France to the Farm and you can find it on Amazon. There you go. Okay. Um, can I, I'm sorry. I like didn't really pay attention to what you just said uh, because <laughs> <laughs> no, listen to this. Wow. this you're going to love this. <laughs> okay. I'm sitting here. I have the next question pulled up on our Instagram uh -huh. and, a, and a message comes in. Carnivore Aurelius just posted that he uses tubes and co-deodorant in his story. Shut the front door. You know, Shay, I maybe that's because of me. Because I, I messaged this. him like three months ago. And first of all, I was like, look, first of all, this wife you're looking for, you're going to find her in the Christian community. So you yeah. need to start fishing there. Second of all. I know you don't drink, but you should check out Tri Farms. Third of all, you probably need to look into Toops and Company. Like I listed off all the, I was like the uh -huh. nerd fangirl and I just uh -huh. asked him, maybe it's because of me. Yep. So <laughs> we had a bunch of people now who are like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and go Emily. Emily, go you. I'm not kidding you guys. This is not oh some like gosh. homemade this is very health exciting. store product. Okay. Emily has done an exceptional job. In fact, I think she has arguably done the very best job in the clean cosmetics and skincare business, period. Like these are not, uh, these are not half-assed products. And Is it in his stories, <clears throat> I'm looking, keep talking. Uh, Okay, so the first message, I didn't see this, but the first message came in yesterday at 7.23. Okay, because so, like I am I am like a total fangirl nerd and I try to uh, see everything he does. So yeah, so somebody sent me, a, they sent us a screenshot of this. Been enjoying this deodorant when I walk to smell like I didn't just walk out of the woods for the first time in six months. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's just awesome. Um, go Toops and Co. We have a coupon yeah. code for you. Homemaker 10, I think. <laughs> um, that just makes homemaker. me so happy. Emily, I hope you sell the snot out of your deodorant Boom. because it deserves to be sold. Um, oh, yeah, baby. 
Oh, that's so cool. I know. I'm sorry. I couldn't. That's why I couldn't concentrate. I think that is so cool. <laughs> um, It's funny, you guys. I know people listen. Like, we have all kinds of people to who, who listen to this podcast. But we do get a few messages over and over. One of them is like, thank you for sharing your faith and just mm-hmm. preaching the gospel. Um, And, you know, that's not something that we do intentionally. It's just something like that naturally comes out because everything that we do is impacted by that. The other is like, thank you for telling people to eat meat. Right. People are I'm really so, excited. I'm about so the meat hungry. Thing. Thank you for giving me permission. Like, yeah. uh, thank you for giving me permission to eat meat. You never needed our permission. You can always eat meat. Um, okay. Okay. So let me, let's go back to the question. While Angela does this, I will tell you and not listen. I will tell you about my books. <laughs> I have written three. Uh, no. Okay. Four. I've written four books. Uh, so the first one was just a compilation of recipes. It's called From Scratch. I wrote it on like a 15-year-old Dell computer. I did it all manually. This was before Canva. This was before, this was basically like almost before the internet at this point. It was so long ago, Um, but I loved it. And it was a labor of love. And there are so many typos and so many misprints. And it's still like one of my best-selling books. And I just think it's because it came from this, like I'm a humble homemaker. I have no money and I need to somehow... (laughs) like make dinner. Um, and that was when we were just kind of getting into whole foods and sort of figuring out where our footprint was going to be in that world, what we liked about it, what we, what we didn't like about it. We've certainly, um, changed some things, but love that book. Um, after that book, I decided to write another cookbook called family table with this idea of like, I had a ton of little kids and I actually needed to feed them dinner. So what do you make? Our farm was really young at this point, but we were starting to grow our own food. We were starting to harvest our own meat. We were starting to like have these different cuts of meat that we needed to deal with. And what you find is a lot of cookbooks are just like, okay, well you need chicken breast and you need pork tenderloin. And you know, that just can only take you so far. Mm. Um, And so much like Angela, like getting to the point of, okay, but what if the ingredients are really, really, really good? Mm-hmm. What if they're really good and you don't need to fuss with them that much to make them really exceptional? So I self-published Family Table, which was an absolute uh, scary and maybe stupid thing to do because that was we a paid. big deal. You guys it was a really big deal. That was and huge. It was we spent a lot of money. It was a total leap of faith. I would never make a financial like leap like that again. I don't think I I am not a gambler. It was way terrifying. Um, and it sold really well. But the problem is that then a publisher picked it up and they said, Okay, well, we're gonna republish it. Um, they read it all my photographs in a way I don't really love. Kind of bothers me. They like ran this grainy filter over them, but um, So once that happened, I could sell my versions of family table anymore. And so, and so it was just this kind of weird thing, but, um, Angela and I both wrote our books in like 10 minute sections of time. Oh my gosh. Where you're like, 
It wasn't I've got like 15 food. minutes. It was like, hold on. I'm trying to get a picture of this. Just you can be hungry for 10 more minutes. I know. There's yeah, no studio. There's no yeah, fake was... plates. There's no fake backdrops. There's no props. This is literally food that we made, shot, and then ate with our family. And it was, yeah. I had my computer in my kitchen and I would be like frantically typing down the ingredients. Yeah. While the family's like waiting at the table yeah. for supper. Um, yeah. And like, as far as the airs that first year, I would get messages. People are like, I'm sorry, how long do I cook this for? I'm like, mm-hmm. it was, and it was because like, I was like typing while I, I was know. doing the thing and you think you've covered all your, so I would go back to my uh, lady that helped me with the layout. Cause like I did the whole thing, but I didn't back then again, it was so, so was long five ago. years ago. I didn't understand margins and stuff. I said, okay, here's my Mac pages version. <laughs> Can you like make it professional now? Can you redo uh-huh. it in Adobe and make it look like this? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then like every four months I would be like, I need another copy. I need to submit another file because yep. Yep. there's one- errors in that one. Errors in says, that one. At one point I said, like in the original version, it said um, a diary cow instead of a dairy cow. <laughs> like you'd never, you, I meant dairy. I yeah. see dairy. I don't see the word diary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. Like that home grown version. I, I do. Like, it doesn't so bother me. I'm proud of that cookbook. I yeah. think it's beautiful. Even five years later, yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. I'm so proud yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. That's how I feel. I think probably my favorite book. So we wrote welcome to the farm when we just moved to our farm Mm -hmm. and I still love that book. I think it's an incredible manual for if you're wanting to like start a garden, start a farm, learn how to butcher things, learn to start preserving things. Um, and I love it because that welcome to the farm has made the rounds more than any other book in the sense that like I have people send me pictures of that book. One of the best ones was somebody was at a Colorado zoo and they were selling that book in the gift shop. I'm like, I talk about butchering animals a lot in that book. Like, why would a zoo be selling that book? Yeah. Um, But it, it was a really, really fun book. But you guys, I had just had so many kids at this time. Like, I barely remember this decade of my life. And I don't yeah. say that in like a hy- hyperbolic way. I remember writing seasons. Uh, so my fourth book is Seasons at the Farm. And it's this just like, it's decor, it's home style, it's recipes, it's gardening. It's just like, okay, it's spring. What's going on? What's going on in the cottage with the gardens? And like, what are we cooking? What are we doing? How are we decorating? Like, what's Mm -hmm. our feeling? I love this book. I think it's so pretty. But the hard part is like, again, I don't really remember the writing process. I remember getting up really early in the morning. And I remember being like, having a certain word count that I had to hit. So most, Oh, books, I remember you'd tell me, you'd be like, I have to get up at four tomorrow. I have to do yeah. 700 words or like, yeah, I think yeah. most books usually, I think most of the books I've done are between 40 to 45,000 words. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, so it was just a slow process. You guys, it's like working out. It's so unsexy behind the scenes. Yeah. And then you turn it into the publisher and you don't see it again for seven months. So by that time, like maybe you've upgraded your camera and completely changed your editing style. So it's really difficult for me to look back on my books and fully appreciate them because I just see like nursing a baby, typing one handed, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. it's just a bit tricky. So, but I'm not much of a looker backer anyway, but right. If you are interested in writing a book, the self-publishing world, like the top has been blown off of it. So like 
the opportunities now with the online editors, with all this kind of stuff, it's just incredible. So do it. Just sit down and write every day. And that's how you do it. Why are you making that face? Um, it looks like somebody was in recording a song on GarageBand. And it's set at bright and clean. So I don't know what I'm going to sound like today. I've oh. never seen the bright and clean setting before. Okay. Maybe I'll sound bright and clean. Maybe I'll sound ridiculous. Maybe. Dang it. Ah, I love when kids mess so up. So it's my not stuff. set on podcast. Fabulous. Okay. 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 All right. <laughs> We're killing it. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, that's how we wrote our book slowly and painfully with a lot of tears and gnashing of teeth. Um, okay. Here is what you're going to love. This is okay. This is not a real name, so I'm not going to say it. My husband has been power lifting for years and now I'm convinced I should begin lifting as well. What resources do you recommend for getting started? I had three kids in three years, and I need to get back to building a strong mom bod. Yeah, baby. Uh, What resources? So uh, you guys aren't going to like this answer. I know because you've sent me messages about it before. Must be nice. But the greatest resource for me, besides just spending a ton of money on a gym membership that I wasn't going to use or spending a ton of money on equipment that I wasn't going to use... Um, or just thinking that cardio was the way to go, which it's not, um, is to actually invest in a trainer because trainers know what they're doing and they can help you achieve your goals. There is no way. So I worked along, I had never weightlifted before, didn't know like the art of lifting heavy things and all the micro adjustments that you do in your body, the proper form, how you should see these things, rep counts, all this kind of stuff. No, I had no context for any of that. So Mm -hmm. what I did was I contacted a personal trainer who I knew, and I had seen some of her clients. So I'm like, that's kind of what I'm going for. And I just said, Hey, can you work with me once a week to help me to understand what I'm doing? Um, and she agreed. So I worked with her for a year and I'll tell you, I couldn't do what I do now at home, even with the tonal and the kettlebells and like the weights and stuff. I couldn't do that if I wouldn't have had that experience of working alongside her and her actually instructing me. I would have hurt myself and I would have given up long ago because there certainly is an accountability when somebody's expecting you to show up at their gym at a certain time. Mm -hmm. And then there's also this just like sort of drive you get when you're working out in front of somebody where you don't want to give up. And so what I learned in doing it for that period of time was how to, how I knew how much I could push myself. There was a couple times at her gym where I was like, I'm out. Like I'm seeing stars, <laughs> like tasting blood. Like I can't, I can't go on. But for the most part, I really learned how I could push myself physically. And I'm telling you, if you've listened to this podcast from the beginning, you know, I was very anti working out. Yeah. And it's not just that you didn't work out. Like you were anti. I, I want nothing it. to do with it. Don't yeah. talk to me about so it. Funny. And now like, I I want to say it's like one of my favorite parts of my day, not because I enjoy it, but because I enjoy being strong and I enjoy the lack of physical pain that I feel because of the strength that I have gained. So if you're thinking about like working out 
Like I always thought working out was like, Hey, go run or go work on your ellipticals. Like that's just so boring to me. Like there's no fun in that, but weightlifting it's like, I think it's actually really fun. It hurts, but it's, fun. you know, as far as the cost, I mean, obviously there's uh, been a point in my life where like, it didn't matter how cheap it was. It wasn't affordable. Yeah. yeah. But if there's some budget there, um, you could always go find a trainer and say, okay, I have to do this at home, mm-hmm. but can I come for four weeks and can you teach me proper body mechanics? Yep. You know, and so you can, and so you can learn all the right forms and not hurt yourself. Um, mm-hmm. my, so I have a tonal, um, oh, I have to tell you this. I did 300 lunges this morning mm-hmm. on my hill. 300 lunges on my You're hill. Insane. That's a thousand for the week. My goal was a thousand for the week. Boom. But like I have, I got a butt lift. Okay. Yeah. My butt is so lifted. I wear a skirted bathing suit and it's not like I'm looking at my butt at home. Okay. I got dressed yesterday. And I have this big pier mirror and I put on my panties and I turned around and I was like, who dat? I don't know whose butt that is, hey girl. but I like it. <laughs> it wasn't like smearing down into my thighs and behind my knees. It like had its own entity. Yeah. And like my butt is a good size anyways. It's always been its own entity, but it was like distinct. Yeah. Made me extremely um, happy. And if the lunges. It's lunges. Like I, so I popped 50 more onto today's lunges. I'm like, oh, I want more of that. Yeah. It's lunges and squats, you guys. Cow. Squats are my favorite. Like I'll go back. For my lower body for the winter, but there's something about like, I put my phone on the side of the road. It's just me. Nobody's there. And I just play music and I just go up and down this hill. And mm-hmm. yeah, this morning I almost threw up. It was awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Um, it is like my this, sister this learning to works... submit to the the pain. Like, But it I like, like that. Like that's easier. how I felt about like, I mean, not to be sung like crazy. Like that's what intrigued me about even home birth. Like I want to know what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And we do live like a very soft existence. Like this is why I think gardeners are really cool people. They're gritty. Like people that push themselves and put themselves in like painful dirty mm-hmm. situations where something needs to get accomplished and it's physical. I think mm-hmm. that's really good because yeah. otherwise we're not really, we have to seek that stuff out most yeah. of us in our life. Oh, I'm so upset about my sound. I can now I can see what's happening here. Oh, dang oh, it. Dang it. Um, my sister does this. Oh, I'm so mad. Um, workout. She just sent it to me. Carolyn. Um, Gervin on YouTube, G-I-R-V-A-N. And it looks like she's got some pretty good I was workouts just thinking. with just free weights. Like yep. moms at home with small children. Yep. My sister has three kids under 10. Her littlest is like two. And um, so they're all of, you know, they're right up in her business. And this is, she's got her free weights and this is what she does at home with small children. So it is mm-hmm. possible. I was doing turbo fire, like a maniac with small children. Like I told mm-hmm. you, I kicked somebody in the face once. So that mm-hmm. was great. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can do at home with just body weight. Once you know the form, um, mm-hmm. this is what I'm planning to do in Italy. Cause I'm not just going to take two weeks off. Um, I need the mental fatigue of working out. 
um, and the physical fatigue. And so Stu and I have been putting together just like, yeah, lunges and squats I'm do push and V-ups and, and planks and, yeah. and push-ups. Yeah. And there's a ton you can do without any equipment. Um, but I love what you said about one of the best parts about it is a learning how you can control the way that your body looks with physical activity. To me, that's like, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was at the uh, butcher the other day and I saw this chick and she had yoga pants on. She had her and her husband, they'd obviously just come from the gym. They were like sweating and they had their workout pants on. And anyway, and I saw her hamstrings and I was like, I know what it takes to get those. <laughs> like I wanted Respect. to just go up to her and be like, well done. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. And I never, ever noticed anybody's hamstrings before, but I do now. And I'm like, I know, I know how much work you've put into doing that props to you. Mm. I love that. Um, but also just knowing what you're capable of, um, knowing that you're not going to mentally to, to break at something, knowing you're, you're literally building like this mental resilience. I, I genuinely wish I would have learned to do this when my kids were younger. Mm. I think it would have really helped my mom rage um someone did message us and said exactly that she said i i uh, it would take me forever to find it she said thank you so much um i took your advice i'm out walking every morning and riding my bike i was on my way to get antidepressants postpartum and i decided to try this and uh like you like thank you she was That's really awesome. been really struggling with um postpartum depression and she's taking it out on the pavement and nice. it's really helping. Yeah. Yeah. It does really, really help. Um <clears throat> okay. Did you have I got yeah, shift gears? I got another one here. Okay. Um it's total so total total change. Okay. Uh do you calf share or not? <laughs> Mm-hmm. and why and i would like to hear your best tip on how to train your cow to let down milk <laughs> yeah okay so if so you're I'm, unfamiliar okay go ahead you go oh i was gonna say i'm spoiled because fern is just a peach and she she doesn't kick or let she's just gives us no problems she's an old pro but Go yeah. ahead and t- talk about the calf share first. Okay. So calf share is when you have a dairy cow and in order to get a dairy cow in milk, you have, she has to be bred. She has to give birth just like a human woman. Okay. You have to have a baby, your hormones change, you produce milk. Okay. So that's how you get a dairy cow to be in milk. Well, what happens then is you have a calf in the commercial dairy industry. The calf is usually maybe on the cow for a day and then the calf is pulled away and it's sent off to be raised somewhere else or bottle fed or whatever. But um, on the farm, you have this luxurious benefit of being able to keep the calf so that you have essentially a built in milker, right? Like, so if I want to take Sundays off, mm-hmm. I can just keep, keep the calf with the cow the calf will drink the milk and because you have to milk a cow, somebody has to milk the cow. The milk has to come out. So whether it's you or the calf, so calf sharing, typically how it works is you leave the calf with the cow for 12 hours. Then you separate them and give them 12 hours apart and milk the cow at the end of that period. So she's basically at 12 hours to build up her milk supply. You take that milk. So you're giving half to the calf and you're taking half. Half is usually still plenty 
um, if you have a cow, depending on what you're doing with it, how much you need, but it's usually plenty for a family. So it's kind of this nice way to get meat and milk both because obviously the calf is getting nice and plump on mama's right. Okay. The problem comes when sometimes cows, they're very smart. They will hold (laughs) back their cream and they will hold back their milk because they don't want you to have it. They want the calf to have it. And they, they are so smart. They catch on to you. So some cows are so bad at this that you actually can't calf share. Um, you have Mm. to just completely take the calf away and then the cow is forced to give you her milk. Um, sometimes you can manipulate it just by, um, and when I want my cow to let down, if she's not letting down, she always holds the best back for the calf. That is something that our cow does. So that's just part of it. And you can tell by the cream line. But if you're trying to get your cow to let her milk down, you just need some like hot soapy water. I just use dish soap and mm-hmm. a nice rag. Dip that rag into that warm water and just rub the udder. And yeah. I mean, imagine if you've been a lactating mom and somebody comes up with a hot rag and just starts rubbing your breast, like right. that milk coming down, like there's not right, right. that much. You couldn't hold it in if you tried. If you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's uh, typically sometimes even this sounds a little harsh, but it's really not. If you've ever played with a cow's udder, you know how like tough they are. Um, I shouldn't say played with touched milked. Uh, sometimes you can give them like a little punch with your knuckles. So like start six inches below need the it. udder you just need it a little bit, and just yeah. kind of like give a little pop because that's mm-hmm. what the calf will do. The calf will sort of butt the udder with its oh, head. Yeah. And, um, that's how the mom knows to let the milk down. Mm-hmm more than you probably wanted to know. Sorry, I'm frozen. I don't know. You're totally frozen. frozen. Yeah. No. Sorry. All right. I'll stop and start the video again. Fernie is, um, Fernie, she's a good girl. Uh, she's just going to be bred, uh, this weekend. So. Ooh, yay. Yeah. Uh, somehow we missed her heat cycle last month. She's like sister woman likes to let everybody know. And she was particularly quiet. (laughs) Just missed it. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh boy. Oh boy. I love when you say that. Sorry. Oh, this is fun. Uh, question for the summer, closing out the summer. The front of my driveway is overgrown and ugly. (laughs) How do I go about figuring out a practical layered landscape, low maintenance, but beautiful front of the driveway? Well, I guess neutralize the ugly. Always start there. Do that. Neutralize the ugly. I mean, I think we need more details. Are we in the yeah. country? Are we in the suburbia? Because driveway is very important. When we were in suburbia, like I would hose my driveway down. It had to be clean. I'd get all the leaves off of it, make it look tidy. Um, you know, is there a parkway, like an area that the city owns that you don't? Because um, mm-hmm. that can be tricky as well. Uh, yeah, overgrown with what? That's kind of what is it like some is it overgrown with weeds? Like, do you need to pull the weeds out or is it overgrown with like a pretty tree that you could just spend some time pruning? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's just a really simple thing to do is fl- flank the driveway with two small beds on each side. If that's mm-hmm. what you need, you know, if it's, it's like the mouth of the driveway and you just need something pretty, I would do a couple pieces of structure on each side. So whether it's like um an arborvitae or a yew or a boxwood couple things that are going to be evergreen and give structure and then some really low maintenance perennials 
you know, echinacea and things yeah. like that planted yeah. around, around the structure. So you're not giving a lot of mm-hmm. uh, garden attention, you know, throughout or, the year. Or it's kind of holds like, its own. It looks. Two clusters of pots, same kind of thing, mm-hmm. potentially less maintenance. Well, then you're watering, getting out there to water mm-hmm. them. I mean, depending on maintenance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last year, we finally took the jump into the freeze drying world with a beautiful new freeze dryer from Harvest Dry, and we are so glad that we did. As a homemaker and gardener, these freeze dryers have the very important job of making sure that nothing, whether it's a bountiful crop from the garden or leftover soup from Sunday supper, go to waste. These incredible machines are very versatile. You can use your freeze dryer to preserve dairy, meat, produce, and even complete meals. Here's the very best part. Everything is completely automatic. You literally just fill the freeze dryer trays, push the start button and walk away. Preserving food can be that simple. Freeze dried foods last for 25 years in your cupboards and will maintain taste and color and flavor. The food retains nearly all of its nutritional value and home freeze dried food costs one third the cost of store bought, which means your freeze dryer from Harvest Right will pay for itself in no time. This is the perfect season to order your freeze dryer so you can have it set up and ready for spring and summer bounty, whether you're freeze drying fruits, vegetables, herbs, milk, or even eggs, Harvest Right machines are the best on the market and will soon become an invaluable player of your preserving kitchen. Visit bit.ly forward slash Harvest Right Homemaker or click the link in the show notes to shop your new home freeze dryer system from Harvest Right today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Toops & Co., Toops & Co. believes in skincare products that nourish and restore and come from simple, wholesome ingredients. Emily began crafting skincare and makeup from her farmhouse kitchen after discovering how organic tallow, high-quality cold-pressed olive oil, and other quality natural ingredients made a huge difference in her skin and in her family's wellness. Now, Toops & Co. has expanded to not only include beautiful skincare, but also wonderful makeup products. These are products that I use on my skin every single day. I wash with the charcoal bar, and then I move on to the glow serums and the hydrating serums, all the makeups, all the bronzers, all the highlighters, the mascara, the eyeshadow. It's all so clean and so good. Visit toopsandco.com and use the coupon code HOMEMAKERCHIC for a 10% discount. Are you ready for a well-appointed bathroom? How about a stack of gorgeous towels from American Blossom Linens? I have them and love them. For your well-appointed bathroom, why not wrap yourself in the most luxurious, thick, oversized towels made in America? These long-lasting, absorbent, heirloom-quality towels will surround you with the plush comfort you can expect from 100% organic cotton. Feel the softness of the ring-spun, combed, two-ply cotton loops against your skin. These towels and washcloths are Okeotex certified, so you can rest assured they are made without harmful chemicals. Unlike others, American Blossom's fully organic cotton sets of towels are made with all USA materials. Nothing ever leaves the United States. Visit AmericanBlossomLinens.com and use the coupon code HOMEMAKERSHEIK20 for 20% off. Okay, here's a, here's a, a, a loaded one. You ready for this? Okay. I guess. This is from Carrie. Um, how do you go about handling what we call fun money in your budgeting and with your spouse? Do you have a set amount per month that you can do whatever you want with? 
Do you consult with your husband on larger purchases? My husband and I have been through some difficult financial heartaches and have come into so much healing. Just curious how you handle this topic. Heart emojis. Um, Angela and I have talked about this a lot in the past because both of us have gone through some pretty rough financial periods. Um, and I know that this maybe is an unsexy answer, but we just followed exactly what Dave Ramsey said to do. And Mm -hmm. that allowed us to, it sort of put it on a third party so that it wasn't my husband saying, okay, well, this is how much we can spend on this. And it wasn't me saying, bossing him around and being like, okay, well, this is how much we should do with this. You're literally just like, just following the template. You're just doing what Dave says to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, that was really helpful because it was, it did kind of feel like it was a little bit out of control not the spending, but just like the lack of money and the knowing exactly what to do with it, what we should be prioritizing. And to me, I just found that incredibly helpful. Um, and, and, you know, one of those things is like the little, I can't remember what the term he uses for it, but it's, is it fun money? It's no, it's something personal or something. I don't remember, but yeah, like the, what I enjoyed about that process was like, once you've got it, once you've got the hang of it, then and you were working your way through debt or whatever, then it was there. I remember like the first time going to my husband being like, here's your money. What do you need? You need boots? Mm-hmm. You need a CD? Like, there you go. Yep. Yeah. It was yeah. great. Um, and we always Not like, like took I'm on dispersing the-, the money, but like I was, yeah. I was dispersing the money. <laughs> yeah. I was doing the envelopes and all that. So I loved yeah. the personal challenge of like, okay, you have a certain amount of money, let's say for your electricity bill. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're really good about shutting lights off, and this sort of, can we save $15 off of our electricity bill? And then that becomes something that you can add to your fund money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, just really good communication and, and putting that onto somebody else. That's not you and not your husband, I think can be really helpful. Yes. Um, Stuart and I, even though we're not in that same financial position anymore, we always consult each other with purchases mm-hmm. always. It's just the way that we function Um, because, you know, we don't always necessarily know exactly what's coming. You know, he might not know that, oh, by the way, this month I'm paying for a blog redesign. And so there's going to be this chunk of money that's going out. And so I think any time you can have better communication in a marriage is a really good thing. Yeah. Because, you know, if you don't, then it's like, well, I didn't know that I, you know, I didn't know that was coming. I, yeah. I forgot the quarterly life insurance policy was going to be automatically taken out. Yeah. And so I had just gone a little crazy at Costco. Mm-hmm. So oops, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we just had one of those moments last week. It just about knocked the wind out of me because we, we had a tax, a big tax bill taken out of our account. And it was just like, oh, we have money. Oh, we don't have money. Why don't we have money? Oh, there it goes, you know, and we had right. like, I had tried oh, to bye. communicate like, Hey, cause the IRS does let you break some of these things into payments, you know, and like, okay, give like, can I put this over three months instead? And mm-hmm. that was not communicated correctly. So it just became like rip the bandaid off, take it all out at one time. And I almost threw up. <laughs> That's the worst feeling. Ugh. And it's like, they just took it from me. It's like, you just took it from me. <laughs> man. Okay. 
Uh, okay. Taxes Here is another issue. <laughs> okay. This is uh, from Rachel, questioning your summer first aprons. What kind mm. do you like and where do you find them? I know I should be wearing an apron every day, but I can't seem to find one that I like and will proper, pardon me, properly cover. I am a 1X and rather well endowed, if you will. Looks nice. I want one looks nice, comfortable, and actually sturdy enough to do the job. Does such a thing exist? That's part one. So um, fun story, listeners. We are working with American Blossom Linens on an apron. Oh, I can't believe you just let it out like that. I thought that was an appropriate time. It's going to take a while. There's weaving where the weave is. uh, It's going to take a while. But yeah. So they'll forget and we'll announce it again. Okay. Um, uh, Rachel Vermont Apron Company. Um, I have an an online friend, well endowed, same situation. Um, Vermont Apron Company has um, plus size and aprons for women who have what I do not have <laughs> on the upper half of their body. Because um, I know that can be um, a struggle because you need the coverage going all it the way. It needs to go above. Top. Yeah. Right. It needs to go above. Yeah. Um, so I would check them out and see if you could, they have a really good selection. See if you can find one, one there that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Second question is um, in the quote, deep in the trenches with small children is the quote, deep in the trenches with small children, unquote, something you grow out of or something your children grow out of question. Okay. My, t- my two are 18 months apart. And the youngest is eight months. I'm actually hoping that will be the trend since I'm 36 and my husband and I want a larger family. But I'm curious to find um, if the days get a little easier or if it's really just a matter of the children getting older and less dependent on you for everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think it's both. I think it's both. And I don't say that as a cop out. Mm-hmm. Um, I nursed all my babies. I was home with all my babies. I did cloth diapers with all my babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really big on sort of discipline and setting the standard in the first couple of years. Um, I sleep trained my babies and all of those things <laughs> take, take extra a time. Lot of time, a lot of time and mental energy, physical energy and conscious decision. Okay. Now I'm going, I'm going to address this now. Right. Um, so even like a cloth diaper, can't leave it on them. Got to address it now, you know, yep. sleep training. Can't skip a night. Can't skip a week just because you got your period. Got to address it now. Like all those, that particular style of parenting. Um, yep. Can't. Yep. <laughs> so it's a now. It's a now. Yeah. Thing. And, it, and you know, basically what that means is you do have this little wonderful, beautiful, lovely creature that's just with you. So, you know, like I nursed all mine for a little bit over a year. And, uh, so if I were to ever, like, let's say, leave them with Stuart or leave them with my mom, you have to anticipate that you have to pump, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you still get your milk. They still need your milk. Like there's just this added element. And so when we talk about being in the trenches, that's what we're talking about. We're talking the physical, emotional demands on a mother from a creature who is absolutely completely in every facet dependent on them for survival. You know, it's like, are they tilted the right way in their crib? Like, are they choking on their spit up? Like teaching them how to eat foods and swallow. Like these are just very demanding times. 
here's the great news. You don't, they don't stay there forever. Like I have an 11 year old now. She's almost 12. I should call her 12. Um, she washes all my dishes. And, and if you would have told me that that could happen, I would have just punched you in the face. I mean, I, when I was in the trenches, I was like, don't talk to me about that. I am trying to make it through another day where I'm throwing up because I'm pregnant and I'm still nursing the other baby and the mm-hmm. other one's not potty trained yet. And the other one lets us bed. So like, what do you want from me? Right. Um, so the kids do grow out of it. They, they're dependent on you. And Angela, you can probably speak to this more, but in mm-hmm. a different way. So like Georgia will, everyone told me this would happen. She'll come down to my bed at night and she'll want to talk. She'll want to tell me about all her things. And I want her to, I want her Mm -hmm. to do that, but it's a different kind of demand. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, you get better at parenting and you do learn to lower your standards. You do (laughs) learn how to prioritize things and you learn how to kind of just submit to like the mess and fuss of having kids. I think that's the biggest thing. We get the trenches question, you guys. We love you. It's like, you've never heard an episode. (laughs) (laughs) You have to submit to it. There's no like self-help book or episode of this show or whatever yeah. that's going to fix it or make it easier. Like you chose to be a mom. This is what's required of you. It can really suck. It's hard. Like, like, let's just acknowledge, like Shay says, embrace the suck. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wonderful, beautiful. I'm like, you know me. I'm not saying anything about that. I like I'm just talking about like, let's just acknowledge they are trenches. There's really hard things. And like, imagine you're like watching a World War II movie, right? What's happening in the trenches? There's bombs going off and little pieces of dust falling and there's chaos and orders are being shouted. And like, that's what it's like, Mm -hmm. Uh, along with all the beauty and warm fuzzies. Um, And so you just, you're there. Mm -hmm. You In the movie, they don't get out of the trench. They're there. Like that's, that's where you are. And so I just think submitting to it and fashioning your life around the fact that you are in the trenches is going to make it a lot easier. If you're Mm -hmm. still trying to live the lifestyle that you had before you were there, you're going to be really miserable and feeling like you're not, you're not keeping up with your girlfriends that don't have as many kids as you, or you're running ragged because you're, you know, you're still trying to go to the mall on Saturdays and do your shopping and like, yeah, it's really different with a stroller and three children. Newsflash, it's mm-hmm. not the same. Okay, just go ahead and submit to it and you're going to have to make adjustments. Um, but the really, really good news is it it's awesome. I loved having small kids. I miss having small kids. And mm-hmm. it gets mm-hmm. easier because they do become more helpful. Um my sister and I just talked about this the other day, like cold lunches. So my eight-year-old makes the lunches. We do like, we call them cold lunches. So she goes to the cooler and she gets cold meat, olives, cheese, crackers, mm-hmm. and she practices her hospitality and her food styling and she puts it on a platter. She looks forward to it. Can I do lunch today? Um, you know, so, hey, guess what? Guess who didn't have to make lunch today? Me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it. Don't underestimate what they're capable of. Give them mm-hmm. all the tasks. Let them try everything. Your mm-hmm. your eight and nine year old can be starting the bread at night. Can be baking the bread. Like, don't be afraid to just 
delegate the snot out of life with your kids mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they need the skills, they need the responsibility, you need the sanity. It yep. makes more free time for everyone. Yep. Yes, yes, time. yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, I you should see the list I left my boys because you know, the last time Deborah came to stay with them was four years ago. And, you know, so that means Owen, who is now almost 10, was he was five mm-hmm. when she was here last time. And so I, I sat, had a sit down with him last night. I'm like, okay, but like, you're kind of the man of the house, you know, like what's acceptable and what's not, you know, where things are, you know, how things should be, you know, the sights and the sounds and the smells that should be. So like, it's going to be partly on you. I mean, I left them a list, a long list because I know they're capable of it. Mm-hmm. They, they feed and water the sheep. They feed and water the chickens and freshen up their bedding every day. Um, they take the dog for a walk and make sure that he has food and water. They know how to put all of the dishes away. So they're responsible for that. They can do laundry. They water the house plants. They run the vacuum through. Like they can clean the toilets. They can do so many things and they're not even that old. But if mm-hmm. you would have said to me when they were, you know, one and three and five, I just, I, I couldn't hear it. No <laughs> and way. maybe not some over the snot and the diapers yeah. and the snot and the diapers and the wiping and the wiping and the wiping and the wiping and the wiping, but it does happen. Juliet was looking at my phone. I'm working on baby books on gathering all the pictures from my blog and from my phone to make all of my kids a baby book. And I was pulling up some little ones when she was a baby and she was like, mom, these were the good old days. <laughs> and it made my heart weep. I'm like, because I can still like smell their little baby breath and feel the corner of their little mouth when you would kiss mm-hmm. them on the corners mm-hmm. of their mouth, like where you get like part cheek and part lip and like, I was just so incredibly affectionate with my kids. Just, oh, I could have just eaten them up. And um, I know people said to me, like, appreciate it, you know, and I I could, I don't want to say I couldn't. I did. I gobbled it up, but it's still gone. It still goes. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you savor it or whether or not you wish it away, it goes. Your kids do grow up. And anyway. I want a baby now. I, I know. Okay, so a little baby. I know. When you said that milky breath, I was like, I think I just like <laughs> I turned on. What's happening here? Like, <laughs> did my milk just let down? Did my milk? Are my breasts tingling? Like, they... <laughs> oh, love um, those little babies. You know, I talked last week, maybe whatever, um, about like being envious when somebody would announce they were pregnant, mm-hmm. like before we knew what we were done having kids. And now, and like just a little, like me, eh, like bad in my spirit. I kind of feel that way now about people with small kids. Like I'm jealous. Mm. I remember Rosemary saying it's so you're in such a wonderful phase. Cause they'll still all go with you. You can still do things as a family. They love you. Know, you. They, they love you. It's still, very compact and not yeah. this person going to this job and this person doing that. And holy cow. Um, mm-hmm. I did, we did have, we're going to have to look at this for next season because, and you guys, ladies, I want you to give us some feedback on Instagram. Okay. Because we had a lot of trenches questions a lot, but I want to know how many of you need like my stage 
of life questions, the perimenopausal teenagers going in every direction, support for moms with like watching their kids just be getting so big and just mm-hmm. like, what the heck is going on here? This is, you raise them you know, to like, be independent and strong and like, and then they do that they and are. you're just like, come on, can't you be needy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I did get a request from someone and I wondered how many more people have that need, but haven't said anything because I know you're not all 29 with three kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I know some of you are older. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Um, that is the end of season 12. But like we told you last week, this was such a popular little season and segment that we're going to keep it going. Um, so I am thinking about my mother-in-law arriving. I am not thinking about season 13 at the moment. No, no, no. but when we do, we got a lot going on (laughs) when we do, it will involve a Q and a segment during each episode. Um, feedback is that you guys really like the longer episodes. And so I think that is something that we'll actually keep. It saves a lot of intro time and outro time and allows us you know, more time in the middle where the meat of the podcast is. Mm -hmm. And so we're thinking, but we would love your feedback on that as well. Um, We don't say it enough, a massive thank you to our patrons. You guys, we are so grateful for you. You keep Homemaker Chic on the air. And of course, a massive thank you to all of our sponsors. They're all listed over on our website, Homemaker Chic Podcast. Um, dot com is where you can check that out. If you ever forget the coupon codes or what the name of the company is, spend some time there. And uh, an update on our book, since we talked about books. Oh, yes, we yes, will be, yes. We will be resuming writing of that this fall, but for sanity's yes. sake, for the weeds, we yes. took a break for the summer. So Homemaker Chic, the book is still the project that we yep. are um, in process with, but we just took a good eight weeks yep. off of writing. So Winter is um, going to be a great time to uh, fall in winter. Yes, be a great thank time. you to the patrons. I was going to say something else. Oh, okay. So for the patrons, the fangirl call, what we're going to do is we're going to wait till Shay gets back from Italy. Mm-hmm. That fangirl call. So pay attention over on Instagram because we will announce that there and we will put the link on the Patreon page as well. So yeah. we'll let her get home and decompress. And then she can tell us a little bit about her trip. I know she has other ways to reveal her trip to us, but yes, talk a little bit about that on the fangirl call, which is lots of fun. Um, So if you want to be a fangirl, obviously check uh, patreon.com forward slash homemaker chic podcast. We did it. We questioned our summer. It was awesome. I, I, it felt like we got to know the audience a little bit this time instead of just us blabbing into the mics. And I I really liked that. That's been my favorite part of that. Mm -hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, oh, ladies. Yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> okay. We'll see you guys uh, in a couple of weeks. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>